Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Well, good morning, Cape Cod Church. It is good to be, it's, you know what, I love being all together in one room, and so, yeah, happy Sunday. I love hearing you sing, I love celebrating, we had breakfast with the serve team this morning. Have you ever had buffalo wings for breakfast? (laughs) I'm just saying, it's not bad, it's not bad. Buffalo wings and omelets, I don't know, it just, it somehow, it just, it worked, and We've got a party afterwards. So, we've spent the last month talking about something you should know. We've talked about your story and how it is that you write it, and we've looked at Abraham's story. We began with these tests, right? The test of difficulty. For Abraham leaves the lap of luxury in Ur, (laughs) but it wasn't for what was easy. And we found that in difficulty, God often writes the most important chapters in our story. And then we face the test of importance. You remember that? That was where, uh, you know, Abram and Sarah and Abraham had his do you know who I am moment when he offered Sarah as a sister instead of a wife to save his own neck. And then we had the test of identity where Abram meets Melchizedek. And he learns who he is. But what we learn there is that one of the lessons, one of the tests in life is the test of identity. And that is that I learn who I am when I learn whose. I am. And then last week, we encountered the test of control. And Abraham offers up his son, Isaac. We realize, I'm not in control. But in that place, we discovered that some of the greatest chapters in our life are often written in a season of Hopeful surrender. Four chapters. But Abraham has one chapter left for us in this series. We pick up all the way down in chapter 24. Here's how it begins. Abraham was now a very old man. (laughs) That's a setup line, folks. That's how you start a conclusion. That's how you you begin, all right, time to wrap this story up. In fact, in the previous chapter, Abraham's wife, Sarah, has, has passed away, and now it says Abraham was now a very old man. And the Lord had blessed him in every way. One day Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. This was an ancient Near East tradition. But what's happening here is, 
It's a, it won't be very long now until Abraham is gone. And he knows it. Why does he know it? <laughs> well, because death is pretty much undefeated. Right? I mean, except for that one-off event 2,000 years ago, death is pretty much undefeated. So I thought this weekend we would talk about death. <laughs> Sounds awesome, doesn't it? Imagine if I had announced that in advance. Hey, Celebration Sunday, we're going to all get together and talk about dying. So I called it something else. But I actually do want to talk about death. Because we don't talk about death. Like, we, <laughs> we, we avoid the topic of death. We act like it's never going to happen. And we're surprised when it shows up. But occasionally, we long for it. But rarely, rarely do we actually plan for it. You see, death makes us afraid. And the reason it makes us afraid is we're afraid that death is the end of the story. And we don't want the story to end. <laughs> So we do all kinds of stuff to make the story go on. In fact, this isn't new. People have been doing this for generations. Abraham's story takes place 4,000 years ago. And if you went back to the city of Ur, which has now been excavated, and we talked about this in the first week, Abraham would have known what happened in Ur. He would have known that when, when the king died a few hundred years before Abram's time, hmm, well, they uncovered his burial pit. It was literally a pit, about 800 square feet, so the size of a really large kind of open space living room. And in it, they found the king. Oh, and the queen. There's a hint there, by the way. And the king's chariot. Literally, when they buried the king, they, they, they dug this, this huge pit, and where the king was laid, they drove the chariot with the horses into the pit and buried him with them. But that's not it. It's gruesome. 74 of the king's closest leaders and advisors buried with him. Shoo. I mean, when they started uncovering this, they're, they're buried with full headdresses of feathers and gold and jewelry. And in some ways, it was extravagant. But what's really shocking is there's 74 people. Wow. I mean, <laughs> when you see that happen, you probably don't apply the next time the king is looking for employees. <laughs> like, hey, help wanted. No, 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 no. Kids never work for the king. Bad. But, 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 but here's what was happening. The, 
the king was leaving his mark. He was going into the afterworld. He was carrying his story on, some thought, forever. And he would need all of his, his, his assistants and his wise people and his family and his chariot and his gold. He would, he would need that, wouldn't he? Because his legacy is to go on. But 4,000 years later, when they began to dig it up, the legacy wasn't what he thought. The story was about those people. That's what people remember. Because here's the truth. Legacy is not what you take from this world. It's what you leave for this world. And the king missed it. But Abraham, no, Abraham didn't miss it. Abraham knew his legacy would not be what he took from the world, no matter how grand or extravagant. His legacy would be what he left for the world. Let me read to you what happens in these next verses. He has his servant, and he, he wants to give him some instructions. So in verse 3, he says, Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives and find a wife there for my son Isaac. You see, the idea here was that there was a lineage, a family, a, a name. He was, he was taking something ancient and he wanted to carry it on because people who study this idea of legacy tell us that what we generally try to do when we leave a legacy is we reach back for something ancient. We try and connect ourselves to something that lasts. And that's what Abraham, and this is why we family names seem to matter so much to us and we, we take tests that tell us our genetics and 23andMe and we attach ourselves to, you know, Scottish people or German people or we find a little bit of ourselves from the Azores or, or wherever it is because it attaches us to something that is old and ancient and it makes us feel like our story is going to last. There's also probably something here that, that Abraham is connecting his, his family to the family of faith. He, he, he wants to carry on the family lineage, but it's a name. It's a, it's a name that's not just his name. It's also the name of God. There, there, there's something here that matters, and he wants to attach it. And he's telling his servant, and this is in an era of arranged marriages, and that's a whole different story. And, but, 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 in, but in that place, he wanted to make sure, and he says to his servant, hey, I want you to find a wife for my son, but make sure you do it this way. 
Let me read you what it says next because he's not quite done. There, there's, a, there's another tip in this verse that's really interesting. In verse five, it says the servant, the servant pushes back. And the servant asked, but what if I can't find a, a young woman who's willing? Like, it's a big ask. Like, you want me to go all the way back to Ur? You want me to go all the way back to your people, and you want me to ask them to come? That's like, you were a great man of faith, but what if, what if I don't find a woman from our lineage, from our family, from our, 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 our worship who wants to come? And he said, should I then take Isaac there to live among your relatives in the land that you came from? So he's, he's like strategizing. He says, well, maybe, maybe I got to take your son back there and we just got to, you know, maybe that would work. And verse, verse six, no, no, no. <laughs> Abraham, no, no, no. Abraham responded, be careful, never. You see, like, Abraham, like, perked up, like, no, 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 never, never, never take my son there. And watch why. For the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, solemnly promised to give this land to my descendants. No, 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 no. This land, this place, this is the promise. This is everything. This is what God is doing in our lives. We gave everything to follow God and to give ourselves to what he was doing, and we will never give that up. He solemnly promised to give this land to my descendants. He will send an angel ahead. He will see to it that you find a wife there for my son. And if she is unwilling to come back with you, then you are free from this oath of mine. But under no circumstances are you to take my son there. Never, never, never surrender the promise of what God has given us. Man. You, you kind of see the fire in Abraham. He's like, man, this, no, 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 no. Abraham has made a heroic commitment to God's promise. And this is the second way that they, they tell us that we try to, to build a legacy through some heroic act. Abraham knew God called me to this. I gave everything. My life has been wrapped around this promise. Don't ever give that up. Don't ever give that up. So let me take this and this story and offer two sort of practical suggestions for writing your own legacy. My guess is that there are things that will sound familiar, but maybe this will add some intentionality to them. Here's the first way we generally go out to leave a legacy. We make a name for ourselves. And I just want to encourage you to do that. Make a name for yourself. But I don't mean it exactly that way. See, sometimes people want to make a name by themselves by getting your name on a building or something, you know, that lasts on for a couple of generations. But 
But that's not exactly what I mean. Remember, legacy is not what we take from, it's what we leave for the world. See, the greatest way you can make a name for yourself is to attach your life to a greater cause, a greater name. I'm not going to surprise you when I talk about the name of Jesus, am I? You see, the greatest thing in life, the greatest thing at the end of Ben Feldot's life is not that somebody stands up and says, Ben was all about Ben. Like, I hope if somebody said that, somebody else would say, no, 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 no. I hope that's not the story. But what a beautiful testimony if somebody said, Ben gave his life for Jesus. Ben followed Christ. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Honey, you can put that on the tombstone right now. Write a note down like, done. I'm good. You can say some other nice stuff too, but let's start right there. Just leave it right there, right? Ben followed Jesus. You ever been at a party? And, you know, maybe you're like trying to find your place in the party and so you're talking to people. You know, you're trying, you know, maybe you're like, you don't know where you fit in, so you're, you're just talking and you're, you're trying to... And you, ever you ever talking to somebody and they're like looking over your shoulder trying to find somebody more important to talk to? <laughs> so that's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, how you doing? Uh, oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Jesus never does that. You see, it doesn't matter. This is the beautiful thing about the name of Jesus. You can attach yourself to it. And it doesn't matter who you are. Nobody more famous walks into the room and Jesus goes, oh, hold on a minute, I gotta, I'll be right back. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've come from. All that matters is faithfulness to the name of Jesus. And you want to leave a legacy. Attach yourself to the most ancient, beautiful name of all and live for that. There's a second. Make a heroic commitment to something that matters. I bet you you're already doing this. You've got a natural sense in you that you want to make your life matter. And so you're pouring yourself into things that matter. But remember, our understanding of legacy has shifted. It's not what you take from this world. It's what you leave for this world. But make a heroic commitment to something that matters. Give yourself out for something that matters. You know where many of you are doing that right now? You're doing it with family. What a beautiful, beautiful place. It's the, it's the place we most naturally come to. Husbands and wives, man, they, 
They come together, they form a family. I love seeing all the couples married a year. I was like, we're gonna run out of flowers. I love that. Make a commitment, it's like, it's us against the world. And then kids come along and whoo, daddy, it gets complicated. We get through that, and then the other side, we have to rediscover each other. And then we realize that together, man, we're, we're living out a legacy. And here's the truth. Sometimes it takes a heroic commitment to marriage and family. But you're leaving something for. Tammy was talking to one of the older couples in our church just the other day. And we've known this couple for 30 years, yeah, 30 years. And they've been married. They just celebrated their 49th anniversary. So they wouldn't have gotten an award today. That's pretty epic, 49 years. You know what they decided 49 years ago when they got married and she had been a widow? They decided that they were gonna read the Bible through every year together. And for 49 years, they've made that commitment. I was like, honestly, I was like, dang. That's some, that's some next level Jesus commitment. <laughs> and I was like humbled. Wow. A heroic commitment to something that matters pouring ourselves into that gift that God has given us in that family. And it's not just, it can be marriage, it can be kids, it can be grandkids, it can be grandparents, it can be parents. It's a legacy, it's what we leave. It's not what we, not what we take from, but what we leave for. Here's the other place it comes up. It comes up in our work our projects, the things we give us to. I'm going to tell you a secret. I do funerals. I've been doing funerals for 30 years. I'm a pro. Nobody, nobody, let me see, I'm going to say this, I think nobody, nobody says at the end of he, man, dude was amazing at making money. See, what you take from is not your legacy. It's what you leave for. So pour your life into work that matters. Listen, work matters, and it's not a curse. It's a creative opportunity. It's what God made you for. But your work matters in how you use it to create and to bless this world around you. And when you do that, you are leaving a legacy for the world. I got, I got one more, though, and I want to I kind of wrap it up with this, and this might be one you're not thinking of. Because families are where we all go, and our work is what we naturally attach ourselves or to projects or hobbies or passions. But I, couldn't, I just couldn't do this without talking about church. The church, and I just want a minute to talk about this church. A heroic commitment 
to something that matters. Because here's what Jesus said. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. In other words, listen, things are going to come and things are going to go, but let me tell you something that's going to endure my church. I'm going to do my work in this world through communities of believers who are passionate about following me, worshiping me, and telling the world about me. And those communities will be called churches. And I got to tell you, the great joy of my life is to be a part of this church. Man. A couple times a year, I... uh, I've started going away with a little retreat. It literally is 25 hours. We arrive for lunch and we leave after lunch the next day. And there's three of us. We go to a little retreat center, a little house that we have there and uh, that we get to use for 25 hours. There's a big living room. There's three of us, three pastors. We've known each other for 20 years. It's a gift. I'm going to tell you, it's a rich gift because these guys... These dudes are epic. They're like, they're like the leaders. In fact, you're going to meet one of them in about a month. He's our keynote speaker. But twice a year, we get together, and we spend 25 hours just like talking, telling. That's all we do. We literally sit there in the living room and talk until it's time to eat. And then we talk again until it's time to eat, and they make awesome food. So this is like, it's as good as it sounds, people. And we're just telling stories. Here's the cool thing about this group. And this is probably what drew us together. All three of us have been in our current churches, and we're not that old, right? We're we're 50s and early, 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 I think 60, 61. We've been in our current churches over 30 years, all of us. In fact, this is cool. It's cool. The three of us together have been, and we're not old, I just need to keep saying that. (laughs) We have been together in in our churches a combined 97 years, which means next year when we meet, we're going for 100. (laughs) What? (laughs) So let me tell you something that happens. I told them I was going to be talking about this. 24 hours is a long time. And we're just like, just talking. And we've got history. And you know what happens? Invariably, we end up talking about you. Like, literally about you. Like, you, and you, and you. Like, we just start telling stories about the heroic commitment of the people we serve with. The three of us are like keenly aware that we get the microphone every Sunday, but we're also keenly aware that the story, the story that God is writing is written because of people like, just a room full of people who've made incredible. Honestly, what happens is, and it happens like one will tell one story about someone in their church and and then it's like, it's like a little bragging fest. I'm not gonna lie. We start bragging. It's like, well, I got something to talk about. It's breathtaking. That's what it is. It's breathtaking. Because you get this front row seat on people who've given their life to something because they believe the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is God doing his work in the world. 
What a gift. What a gift. You see, legacy, it's not what we take from the world. We all die. And we don't take it. But we do leave something behind. And that something is our legacy. And it's beautiful. And on this Sunday, I just... (laughs) I'm just struck by what a joy, what a privilege it is to be a part of a community of people who have said this, this thing, this gathering, this people, this Jesus, this name, this message, this gospel, it's worth everything. And this place is your legacy. It's what we leave for another generation. So you may have noticed they made it through an entire message on legacy and how we kind of live forever without talking about the actual fact that God meant for you to live forever. It's true. He did. He meant for you to live forever with him. Our departure from this world is a, is a chapter, and sometimes the chapter comes too early, and sometimes the chapter comes and it's, it's painful and it's sad, but it's a chapter. But it's not the end of the story. Because of Jesus Christ and our faith in him, he has made us for forever with him. As the New Testament says, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And that promise is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. And I'd like to finish with one opportunity Say yes to Jesus if that's the need and what you find God calling you to. So would you bow with me? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Maybe you've just been walking down this path wondering where Jesus fit, wondering if it was if it was for you and if you were ready, but maybe you just hear him knocking at the door of your heart and you're ready to say yes to it. I won't presume to know what got you to that point, but I know that God through his spirit works in surprising ways. And if that's you, I want to invite you to pray something like this. Dear God, you know me and you know everything about me and you love me. You're not looking over my shoulder for someone who's better behaved, more impressive. I believe you love me. Today, I accept your gift of salvation, the mercy of forgiveness. I trust in you, Jesus Christ, and I invite you into my life. Help me now to live my life fully for you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.